You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. I want to welcome a panel to come out. Can you put your hands together for our panel? They're going to come join us on the stage. Come on, team. So we've got Seema Wollison. Uh, Seema is a mental health professional. We've got Chris Hall. Chris Hall is an absolute, you can sit wherever you like. Chris Hall is an absolute legend. He is an amazing church member, but also someone who's journeyed his own mental health journey. We've got obviously Pastor Liz and Mike Griffiths, who are an amazing part of our team. And um, should should I get my own seat? Because it's like we're full. Or or do I need to cozy up with Seema? Is that what's happening? Should I cozy up? Oh, Nathan's going to get me a seat. Nathan Mills, everybody. Wow. Wow. Oh, we actually fit, though. No, we fit. Nathan, it's okay. Nathan, keep the chair. Give it to somebody else. We fit. Um, great. Well, welcome out, everybody. And again, so good to see so many uh, smiling, happy faces. And it's really uh, an honor to be able to share this moment, this platform with these amazing people. And it really is um, just I'm in awe of you guys. You do an amazing job in all the different areas that you work in. But quickly, let's go down the line. Just maybe introduce yourself to us and um, tell us what it is you do and what area um, of mental health you find yourself in. Kia ora, Elam whanau. I'm Seema Wollaston. I've been a member of this church for many years. Um, in my day job, I do. I, I am a registered social worker, and I've been working in the field of mental health for over 20 years now. It's, it's my passion, and I've done a few different things during that time. But at the moment, I am working to build a mental health kind of service and capacity within primary care, which is within... Um, GP practices, so really enjoy that, and um, looking forward to hopefully sharing something you helpful tonight. Thanks, Seema. Thanks, Seema. Um, kia ora. Um, good evening, Chris. Chris Hall, DP, Somerville Intermediate. That's my day job. Um, I am married to the luckiest woman in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm blessed. Um, I guess what qualifies me to be here tonight is my own journey through mental health, um, through anxiety, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, Yeah, I don't have anything that you need, and Jesus, we have it all, right? So we're going to talk about that tonight. Awesome. Hey, everyone, lovely to see you all. My name's Liz, um, and this is my very lucky husband. (laughs) We're We're on a bit of a theme here, aren't we? Um, so I've, I've sort of been tasked with establishing the mental health hub, the, the Elam Counselling Hub for ECC, which is Elam Christian Centre, which is um, becoming quite substantial and creating quite a bit of work, uh, but is obviously showing of the massive need out there. So that's a real privilege. And then I do um, one day of my own private practice, um, which I'm really enjoying as well. And then obviously come out of um, 20 something years of pastoring, so just am loving having both of those things and being able to care and get alongside people with that. Yep. Kia ora, Mike. Um, I guess probably most of us have seen me at one point or another. I've been pastoring the City Church for the last 10 years with Lizzie, and we've just handed that over, and now my main purview is working alongside Steve, uh, and a key part of my role is uh, working with our pastors and our staff Uh, in the area of kind of counselling and coaching um, uh, as they are each engaging in the mission of God 
in this great city of ours. So um, part of what Steve's brought me on to do is to really try and provide um, a, another level of support for our frontline uh, guys and girls who are doing such a great job. Awesome. So what a great panel. Can we put our hands together for them again? So we've got a mixture of mental health professionals, uh, mental health strugglers, and, and I put myself in that category as well. Um, but, you know, for us as a church, we really feel like God is leading, leading us into this, to lean into this space and to have good, honest conversations and just to try and find, at times, the beauty in the ashes and the grace of God in the midst of the valley of the shadow. And so um, when we talk about this whole thing of mental health, what do we mean? What are we talking about? Mikey, do you want to weigh in on that? Like, what are we talking about when we talk about mental health? Sure, Steve. Um, when I was at uni, uh, uni was like um, the best of times and the worst of times, right? Like I'm this young 18-year-old complete idiot. Uh, and, um, you know, uni for me was a mixture of amazing times and great fun, but also desperate loneliness. And, you know, there'd be times when I'd just get down for days and sometimes weeks. And, uh, and then they'd be, you know, stressed about exams and worried about the future and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and all of that was all good. It was all normal. And so mental health is not, doesn't mean mental perfection. Uh, all that stuff is normal. Fast forward a bunch of years and I am now working way too hard. I'm burning out. I am depressed. Uh, I have had moments of suicidality. I am not engaging with my work colleagues. I am bailing out of meetings because I just simply can't cope. Now I'm in a place where the things I'm struggling with inside my head are impinging upon my ability to live. My relationship with Liz is not good at home. The kids duck for cover when I walk in the door from a day at work. You know, when, when the things that are going on in your head and your heart start to impinge upon your ability to maintain good relationships, uh, engage in the workforce, uh, live and do the, the, the tasks of life, that's when mental health is starting to move towards what potentially might be mental illness. And of course, we see this in the scriptures. The scriptures are full of people living their lives and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's really not, and people need intervention. Great. So I wonder if a couple of us could share like our own experiences journeying through uh, mental health and mental illness. Maybe, Chris, maybe I, I fire this one up to you to, to get the ball rolling there, mate. What, what's been your experience? And, th and this is what we, wanna, we want we to do is we want to talk about this primarily from a Christian perspective. Because I think historically we haven't really grappled and grasped this that well as the church, and we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But Chris, as a as a follower of Jesus, can you tell us your experience of of your own mental illness and issues? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I became a Christian when I was about 25, and when I was about 28, I. Um, I had my first experience of, of real anxiety. I guess I was probably an anxious child, but at 28 I had um, two operations within a week. Yeah, I had a kidney stone operation and my wisdom teeth out. And and following that, my body just didn't seem to be able to cope with that. Yeah, and I remember sitting in a church. It was um, um, C3 actually. Um, over 20 years ago and having my first real experience of overwhelming fear and anxiety and it's been a journey since then um, and the journeys are really apt description yeah um, and I guess for me it has been a journey of finding God in the midst of my anxiety 
It's not the opportunity that I have chosen, but it's the opportunity he chose for me to work, um, yeah, to, to work me out and to, to mould and shape me. Um, and what I've found is that my own journey through mental health, and I really want to encourage this t tonight, um, it is not just for me. Um, there have been countless experiences where, uh, and times where I've been able to talk from a sufferer's perspective. And I think, I, I'm not sure if you've ever had an opportunity, and Steve, you were front and centre, I remember, um, sharing your journey. And I think that makes everything immediately accessible, right? Like, to me, we're all munted. That's how I see it. We're just, it's varying degrees of it, right? So so that was, the, that was yeah, that's my experience, and finding Jesus in the midst of that. And knowing that he is using it and molding and shaping me through it. He's not the puppet master. He didn't say, Chris, you're going to have anxiety. But he's used it. Yeah, right. He's used it. Yeah, amazing. And it's like, I think, um, I don't know what the stats are. Some of you guys might know more than me. But in terms of how many people, percentage-wise, will struggle with mental health at some point in their lifetime. Seema, do you know if there's roughly? Yeah, so... Um before the pandemic, it was one in five. I think we can probably safely say that it's, it's higher than that. Um, you know, since the events um, of the last few years that uh, impacted all our lives so significantly and, and the ongoing impact of that. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, at least one in five people, but probably, you know, more than that. Um, so it's a very... Um, common thing, you know, anytime you're in a room of a group of people, there'll be at least a few who've experienced significant different uh, difficulties with their mental health. So I guess in terms of, um, you know, it's not unusual, you know, so it's something that we can't really ignore. Um, and um, it's just more helpful to understand it better and to talk about it and to figure out ways that we can contribute that are helpful. Yeah, great. And, and like for me, my, like I've shared my journey uh, with pretty openly with the church here um, over the last year or so. And just, you know, me uh, journeying through um, pretty extreme anxiety and depression and then suicidality and the whole kind of nine yards. And, and Mikey and Liz have been an amazing part of that journey. And, and actually, and Chris has uh, played an incredible role as well, just supporting and encouraging me along the way. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that it often... Um, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and, and for me as a pastor, it kind of took me by surprise. Like, you don't, I didn't expect for this to be part of my story, and I didn't expect that uh, I would face something like that, you know, being uh, pretty outgoing and, you know, real kind of type A sort of person. Uh, but it, it helped me to realize, you know, nobody is immune from the stuff of life. And sometimes things can happen, and it's and um, we're all a little bit broken, and there's a journey, there's actually going on a journey to figure out like what's going on and how do we come back from this? Because when you're going through, and, and if, you know, there's probably many people in this room right now who are struggling with particularly depression and anxiety. And if you're going through those things, I think I'd like to say you're in really good company right now. Uh, like we know, the, we know the fullest of what that feels like. You know, I have, I've had, I could, I've probably had 15 panic attacks on this platform in, my, in the last three years. And, and had some pretty dark days and pretty horrible moments. 
And if you're going through that and you're in the midst of some of those moments, it can be really, really difficult. But, you know, there is hope and there is a way and there is, and there is support out there. Um, and that's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. And, and the challenges, I think, as a church, maybe, Liz, you can jump in on this. Like how, how does this whole area of mental health fit in with our paradigm as Christians? Because I think we understand physical health, like when you're sick, you get the flu or you break your arm or whatever. But I think sometimes we can over-spiritualize things. We can under-spiritualize them, definitely. But I think we can, we can at times over-spiritualize things. And I think that's where we might get a li- things a little bit wrong in the church in terms of helping people along this journey. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, we can say just pray about it or we can feel like everything's spiritual. And, you know, sometimes it is spiritual. And so by all means, we pray we believe, we have faith, we do that journey, and if there's still ongoing issues, then, you know, maybe for some people it is going and doing cleansing streams or Elijah House or one of those inner healing programs that really helps you look back at your, your, your past and trace stuff and look at trauma and all those things, and that's all really important too. But sometimes it's actually something of the heart, it's something of the mind, it's habits that we've just picked up along the way, it's beliefs about ourselves and ha- who we are in the world, which is just junk. Um, it's things, it's lies that we've become to believe about ourselves. And some of those changes that need to happen with that um, need to happen a little bit more methodically, a little bit through a process of kind of capturing those, that negative thinking or capturing those lies or that things that we believe about ourselves, taking a good hard look at them, analysing them, making a decision that actually it's not true, and then starting to believe what is true. And then maybe even going to beautiful word of God, which speaks this life and truth and hope over us. I mean, you can go to so many scriptures that talk about who we are in terms of how God sees us and replacing it with some of that as well as what's actually true about you. Um, And I think that's part of the journey. So that's what I love about being able to um, the intersect of faith and counselling or therapy or even just, you know, going on that journey yourself and figuring out those things. It's both and. Sometimes it's all prayer and it's like Shundi Mundi, in Jesus' name, breakthrough, cut it off, whatever you're going to do. And it works. And that's brilliant. But other times it's a long, slow process. Things like grief, things like trauma, it takes time. And we've believed something, when we've believed something about ourselves for a long time, Mm. actually it takes time to unravel some of that, and we need to give it the time. Um, Yeah. Can I just jump on that? I think it's so good. And and just from a biblical perspective, um, you know, we can believe this myth that we get saved and everything's perfect. But but in, in the Word of God, we see this, we get this fascinating picture why Moses brings the captives out of Egypt with power, destroys all of those enemies in one fell swoop, right? And, and so these, we go, oh, but, but surely God should do that for me. But we forget that when Joshua took the people into the promised land, God left all their enemies there. And they had to fight those battles one by one because God had to develop a strength and a resilience in those people that they had lost in the desert. And so we get these two metaphors, these two pictures, one of the, the incredible miracle-working power of God that God can and does do sometimes in people's lives. But we also get this picture of actually sometimes we've got to walk into our promised land and take it yeah. intentionally, bit by bit, sometimes over years, and that also is biblical 
and the way that God leads some of us. Oh, hello. It's interesting, eh, because... This one doesn't work. We'll share. Um, I think for me, on, on my journey, it was like, I was like, man, God, shouldn't God show up and fix this for me? Because this is like actually crippling me from doing what God has called me to do. Like it was, it was taking away from what I thought was the call, felt was the call of God in my life. And um, the more I kept praying that God would just do a miracle and, and heal me, it was almost like the worse I got. Because that's all I was holding out for was the miracle. And then in the midst of it, I had to stop and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he just said, trust me. And I had to trust him in the process and the journey of healing and trust that God was going to do a work. And I had to get to work. I had to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I had to put things into place every single day. And it grew me into the place where I am now in a place of wholeness. But it was, uh, it, and I think, I think that probably touches a little bit on where the church probably historically hasn't done a great job with mental health. Um, I, I don't know, um, maybe Mike, do you want to just weigh into that again? Just uh, the, what your experience historically, I mean, it's just the whole like, if you're going through that stuff, obviously not spiritual enough, obviously you don't have enough faith, obviously, you know, something's wrong with you, you've sinned, like there's all these classic, or you're just not tough enough, you've got to toughen up and get on with it, buddy, like there's all this stuff, right? I think you just answered it for me, thanks. Sorry. It was awesome. Um, but let me just go back. We, we were recently at an Elam Global Conference, and we were talking about this stuff, and one absolutely amazing young Indian girl stood up, and she said, I have struggled with depression for years, but in my church, they just tell me it's demonic, and they won't let me do anything. They won't let me serve. And, and isn't that just the picture of what we've done so often in church? <clears throat> People struggle with depression, anxiety. Like you're saying, they're not strong enough or it's demonic or you just need to sort yourself out and you can't have any place in God's ministry except that we don't find that anywhere in the Bible, right? Sorry, not to make this all about me, but I, like, if I reflect on my journey, it wasn't, there may have been a spiritual element to it, but the issue was trauma, not necessarily a demonic attack and I had to address the trauma. And, and heal from on that journey, and then I, I found that place of wholeness and, and healing. Can I, can I just jump in, Chris? Yeah. Here. It's my lived experience that, that, that the very things I've tried to pray away and got others to try and pray, pray away are the very things God has used to mold and shape me. And, 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 um, and I think that often we see something like anxiety or depression or a mental illness is devoid of God, right? Mm. Yet God is in the midst of it with us, yeah. yeah, molding and shaping us. And I just want to share that, that my lived experience is that God has shaped me and molded. It's not the journey I would have chosen, mm. but it's the journey he chose for me. And in those trenches, because that's what it's felt like sometimes, he has been with me every step of the way. Yeah. Amazing, Chris. Uh, Seema, would you, could you help us maybe by helping um, us to understand what is depression and what is anxiety? I think maybe focusing on those two things because they're, mm. they're becoming, mm. they're quite prevalent in mm. the community and society right now. But what are they? Because for me, before going through it, I did mm. not have a clue what they were. And mm. you'd hear the words, but it's like, until you kind of experience it, it's mm. a totally different thing. But how, so, the pe so people here who maybe haven't experienced it mm. understand, what is it like? What is, how would you describe them? So, um, yeah, really uh, common, I guess, depression and anxiety. Um, 
And I guess depression, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who um, have experienced these, uh, these difficulties. And um, depression is generally, obvious, the obvious thing is low mood. Um, and, and, you know, we all have sad days, and that's really normal. However, when it goes beyond that and it becomes really, really pervasive, it feels like darkness, it feels like a black hole that you can't get out of. Um, that the things that you normally enjoyed or that, that you know, kind of pepped you up don't work anymore. That the things that, you know, the people you enjoyed being around or hanging around with, that you just can't, you know, everything's meh. And um, so it's that loss of sense of, of joy and being alive. It's that real disconnection from that sense of vitality that we can take from granted if it's just there, you know. Um, and, and it can impact on, on other uh, ways we function, like our sleep patterns, our appetite, um, our energy levels. Um, it's really common to have thoughts of suicide when someone is very depressed and that can then freak people out and then make them feel anxious and, you know, it all becomes a little bit of a cycle or probably a downward spiral, really. And um, so anxiety is a little bit different but also a really common experience when people um, are depressed um, is more around um, a fear kind of based response that the body gets, the body and the mind primarily get into a loop or a spiral with. So again, it's really normal for us to have anxious moments um, and in really helpful actually, because if we didn't ever feel anxious about anything, we'd never prepare ourselves or you know do the work that we need to do, say for example, to be ready for an exam or a job interview. Um, so that anxiety is normal and healthy, it helps us to prepare ourselves well. So anxiety in itself is not uh, bad or wrong. It has a role to play in our healthy kind of balanced lives. It's again when it tips over into a response that's constantly there or feeling really out of control or um, overwhelming and you know you can't kind of live your normal life. Um, and so you know some of the things around that are um, quite physical um, as many people would know, um, who've experienced very severe anxiety. Um, it basically, your nervous system gets very, very um, elevated, very, very sped up, um, and it's hard to pull that back. So your heart is racing, your mind is racing, your body is not settled, um, and uh, the emotions are out of control, the thoughts are out of control. Um, it can be in relation to a specific thing, like some people get anxious around um, in a social, social situation, for example, or, um, you know, in a specific situation, and, and, and others just generally, you know, just, just generally feel, feeling anxious a lot of the time. And then a panic attack is when um, you have these moments of very, very acute, um, intense anxiety, where um, and sometimes people feel like they're going to die you know, that I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm having a heart attack and I'm actually going to die. So very, very scary um, and very distressing, um, understandably so. But, um, you know, there'll be people, and again in this room, there'll be people who've experienced those things um, and you certainly will know people in your lives who've experienced those things too. So um, I guess comes back to knowing, like my job is around... Um, 
helping people understand what's going on, why is this happening, making sense of it, but really working on tools and strategies to manage and get through and overcome and, you know, build resilience. And those things are possible, which is why I find, you know, I get so much enjoyment and fulfillment from the work I do. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, this, we really want to um, explore and understand, like, where is God in all of this? Because it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite a challenge. And because it's not like, oh, you know, you've got a, you've got a cut and you're bleeding, it's mm. unseen. Um, but what's interesting is if you've ever gone through depression and anxiety and you read the Psalms, yeah. you read them in a very different way. Wow. You, read the, you see them totally differently. You see yourself in those Psalms a whole lot. Yeah. You realize that maybe David was going through some stuff in there. Yeah. And, um, but like Lizzie, how do we navigate the spiritual, emotional, physical together? You know, how do we, how do we navigate that whole space of all the different parts that make us who God made us to be? I mean, I love Psalm 39 where it talks about God knitted us together in our mother's womb and, you know, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And this idea in, um, in mental health or in, in um, kind of the public health system, there's something called Te Whare Tapafa. Some of you will know that well. And it's this idea of a whare, you know, the, the Māori whare. And, and it's the idea of that there's four walls of that. There's the emotional, mental side. There's the physical side. There's the spiritual side. And there's the social side, which is sort of people in your world. And so what it does is it gets you to kind of look at how strong are your walls. You know, if you think about your physical self, are you getting sleep? Are you nourishing your body with food? Are you fueling your body? Um, or is your relationship with food not that? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you caring for yourself and taking time to rest? Are you taking a Sabbath? Are you doing all those things for you that your body needs? And then the emotional, mental side, you know, do you feel well in your mind and your emotions? Are you people that suffer from grief, from, from those sorts of things, sometimes there can be seasons of real sadness and that can feel like a weak wall of our whare. And, and then we've got that relational side, the importance of connection. You know, we weren't created to do life alone. Um, and so to make sure that you've got people in your world um, that are with you, that are for you, that are not totally always draining you but are actually putting into you as well. Um, that's really important. And the fourth wall is the spiritual. You know, and when, as a Christian, we can talk about that with, as our relationship with God. For those people that don't know God, they might talk about spirituality in terms of values or what, you know, at the core of them, what's most important. But we obviously hope on that journey, somewhere along the way, they'll find what we know in Jesus, the hope that we have. So the idea of those four walls and trying to strengthen those four walls of the whare to be, to be strong, everything that's interconnected. I mean, you know, um, you know, for years growing up in church, you know, it was all about pray harder, talk to God more. And yeah, I needed to do that. I needed to do that more. But I just felt so liberated when I came to learn that it was also about my mind and my emotions and my physical body. I remember years ago, we'd just been asked to take on the Dunedin Church. And um, I went for a bit of a quiet time and I was sitting on, the, on a wharf, the end of this wharf, and we were just about to start pastoring. And I really felt that the, God spoke to me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and just said, you think you've just got to be strong in your, in your spirit and in, in this with you and me. He said, but you need to be strong in your body 
you need to be strong in your emotions and your mind. He said you've got to you've got to learn more. You've got to engage your mind. You've got to have a strong body to keep up with this one and to do the ministry call that we were called to for that whole next kind of you know forever. And so for me, it really struck me then that it's it's all of that. And I think if we want to do something great in this one life that God's given us you know, it's going to take all of that. It's going to take being strong in all of those areas to be able to, um, to do that well. And I think that's the opportunity. Yeah. Awesome, Liz. Did I go off on a tangent there, Steve? No, no, Is you went on tangent? a great tangent. We tangent? It was Sorry. a nice little detour. <laughs> no, um, in terms of, you know, walking through, like how do you walk out your faith when you're going through the midst of a really difficult situation mentally? You know, if you're going through depression, you're going through anxiety, like, how do you actually navigate that in your walk with the Lord? And does it look different? How do you kind of journey through it? Chris, do you want to maybe throw some of your experience in that? Yeah, sure. One step at a time. Um, I, um, I guess for me, it, my anxiety journey um, really culminated in this idea of someone much wiser um, than me uh, asked me a question. He said, Chris, what's your bottom line? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, what's the goal of faith? And, you know, gr- growing up, um, you know, I would have probably said, you know, become a pastor, maybe. Sorry, Stu. Um, Bex, you know. Is Still it, is time. That, that's, the ant- that's the antithesis, right? B- but, but actually, the goal of faith is to live in this wonderful, abiding, dependent, moment-by-moment relationship that the Jesus I had yesterday is not enough today. I need to seek him today. Right. Um, that I can't um, live on, on the, the past glory and the past experiences. I need to, you know, wake up here every morning and essentially, Jesus, if you don't turn up, I'm done, right? So this beautiful abiding moment. And it's really interesting that Jesus said that he doesn't call himself the answer. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to every answer. Mm. And, and I think you touched on that, um, Liz, before, that, that for me, again, my lived experiences, I, I couldn't pray away my anxiety. So the way to the answer was counselling and diet and exercise and cold therapy. Um, Steve, put me on to that. Um, so, so how do I get through it? Um, by acknowledging that God's in it with me, that he's using it, um, that it's not taken him by surprise, that nothing comes into my life without first going through his hands. Yeah? He's the loving father. He's the great I am, and I'm the great I am not. Um, and so, so that's, a, that's a humbling position. And actually, I'm his responsibility. He's the king of kings. Mm. And so I take that. And I wish I could blab and grab it and say that I know all these things and it's easy. It's not. Mm. There are days where it's really hard. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I know that, um, that, that I have all the tools to make it through each day. Amen. Mm. Um, you know, there are times when it is a, it's a literal fight every second of every day. When you're in the midst of severe depression and anxiety, it is, 
you're literally fighting for your life every breath you take. It's one of the hardest things in the world. But there are, you just mentioned, there are some tools, right? There are some things that can really, really help. And I wonder if we could just go down the line and give our, maybe our top tool. And you can't repeat the person that just, you can't just say same, okay? You have to give another tool, okay? So maybe we'll start with you, Griffey. We'll give you first pick, because I know if you were down here, you'd be lost by the end of it. So let's give you, let's give you the first, first go of it. And um, did I say, oh, <laughs> if you understood our relationship, you wouldn't be saying, oh, okay. Um, so good to go first. Um, so great that I have no time to think about the answer for this one. <laughs> Mikey, why don't you talk about the, were you, the remember, thing you taught me about remember uh, you're changing a team, the state? Remember you're a team, you do it Liz's way. I, I, I tell you one of the ones I think is most important, and Steve, you talked about it just before when he touched on the fact that sometimes when you're in the midst of a really difficult mental place, it, 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 like it's just it's such a fight, right? And um, one of the most important things to realize is that to shift your state, you know, you, to, to be able to shift from a depressed state to a less depressed state or a really anxious wound up place to a less anxious wound up place. Mm. One of the most, and like there, there are several really important methods to do that, but one of the most important ones is to shift your focus. When Ste can I tell the story, Steve? Go hard, man. When, when I, when, when, when I, when Steve Bex called me, when Steve was in the midst of his extremely bad place, so I arrived in Steve's basically on the fetal position on the floor of his bedroom and he is a complete mess. And, and I knew that for us to go forward in any way, I had to shift his focus off what he was focused on. What was he focused on? He's depressed, so he's fo focused on his past. He's also deeply anxious, so he's focused primarily on his future. Everything's a big mess in his world. And so what I actually did was, after talking for a few minutes, I said, Bixie, do you have a rugby ball? And she said, yeah, we do. I said, grab the rugby ball. And I said, Steve, get up. And we walked outside, we walked across the road to the park, and we stood there for an hour and we just tossed a rugby ball around. What was important about that is, as we tossed this rugby ball back and forth and we, and we talked, uh, every time I threw the ball at him, he had to focus on catching the ball. Mm -hmm. Then he had to focus on throwing the ball back to me. And, and Steve's a rugby player from way back. It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasant activity for him. But it helped shift his focus back into the present, back to him and me standing in the park. And everything was good with him and me standing in the park. And it helped just to... And, and that became part of one of the things that we did together was working on shifting your focus when you're in a bad state, back to the present, back to where it's safe, back where it's okay. So shifting your focus is a really important part of learning to shift your state when you're in a difficult place. I so appreciate that moment. And, and as I reflect on it now, it's like such a powerful little moment. And that, there's a little, there's a little red and white rugby ball. That literally followed me for the next eight months of my life. I took it everywhere because there would just be times where I'm like, I've just got to go throw this ball around. I've got to go kick it. And I'd take the boys out and we'd throw a ball around and we'd go for a walk and just pass it around. It, just was, a, it was such such a little thing, but such a powerful tool to shift your state. It was beautiful. Lizzie. Um, well, I, I want to talk about breathing, and I know cause, but I've just recently heard Seema do her little thing on breathing, so I'm not going to probably, you can, you can do it, you can do it after if you want to do a better job of it. But sometimes when I am with people and they're talking about, um, you know, their heart races and they're feeling really anxious and, um, you know, I, I talk to them about breathing and, and some people poo-poo-hoo it. Is that the word? Poo-hoo it. They kind of go, oh, breathing, I've tried that, it doesn't work. But the thing about breathing is when you do breathing through your, you know, through your gut, so in through your nose, out through your mouth, slow, deep breathing, when you do that, you actually 
from a physiological point of view, you actually slow your heart rate down ever so slightly. And when you do that, that communicates a message to your brain that tells your brain that there's nothing to panic about. You're not running from a lion. You're actually okay. Uh, unless you are actually running from a lion. Yeah. <laughs> then run, then going. run. We don't come back. We don't worry back. about if it's come, the air's coming in your nose. Just go. We did come back from Australia yesterday, but we didn't see any crocodiles. So we've been having crocodile dreams. Um, anyway, so breathing. So you, you, there's actually something that happens in your physiology when you work on your breathing that slows it down that will help you. So it's not a thinking thing, it's a body thing. So, so doing breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, slowing the breathing down, focusing on your breathing, listening to your breathing, calming things down, just helps you just to calm down a little bit. And you only need to calm down a little bit to be able to kind of get a sense of, going to be okay again, you know, so breathing, I'm, I think it's great. Chris? Yeah, I was going to say the obvious, like diet, diet and exercise, but um, for me, um, like podcasts, like a, like a, a message um, and, um, you know, something that really resonates with my spirit and just mm. digging deep into it and um, I, I, I needed to say, Dan, I wanted to th all thank you publicly um, you and the worship team, but because things like worship too, like finding a place for me that that's, I guess it's a little bit like what you were sharing, Mike, with refocusing, it takes me out of, you know, staring at my belly button and putting it back on the focus. So I just wanted to acknowledge you and, and the team and the fantastic worship that we have. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, worship is one of those, for me anyway, and I'm so not musical, but it takes me to a place right. where n my, my problems are no longer here, Jesus is in front of them, right? Mm. So, does that make sense? Cool. Yeah. Okay, it's actually really hard to think of just one, but okay. I'll try. Um, <laughs> probably, yeah, one of the key things, I guess, is... Um, cultivating a willingness and, and this is again when it's hard on your own getting people around you to encourage you to take a step forward even before you feel like it right. or before your mind says this is a good idea so that's really hard to do um, and yet it's how we climb out of the hole you know or how we take steps forward and and um, one of the kind of illustrations I often use when I'm talking with people is, is you know, you know, we have this conversation, yeah, I feel like I'm in a black hole, I can't see any light, I can't hear anyone, it's, it's pretty hopeless. Um, so it's, you know, where do you want to be? I want to be out of the hole. Of course you do. However, the way out is one rung on a ladder, one step on a ladder at a time. And so the first step you might see, well, it feels still pretty dark and horrible and was it worth taking that step but if you just commit to taking a step as and when you can um, then that's you know that is movement it's it's success you know so for someone who's really really depressed and can't get out of bed in the morning maybe their step on the ladder um, is just getting out of bed for half a day yeah. do you know that's a win um, and then the next day you try something more and the next day you try something more. So 
I guess it's the tip is really around moving away from thinking I have to solve this, you know, in a black and white way, and just really taking having a willingness to take a step that moves you um, forward. And the key is before you feel like it and before your mind says this is a good idea because when we wait for the feeling or we wait for our thoughts to line up with it, we, we just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and we sink deeper into that hole. Great, Seema. I think that's powerful advice there. Like, it's never, if, you, if you're struggling, it's never one big move that's going to get you there. It's a thousand little ones. It's like every day I'm going to do these little things I need to do. It's ne- don't wait for that one thing and it'll be better tomorrow. You won't be. You're going to have to get up and work every single day. It's a thousand little things. Uh, you know, for me, there's been a number of things. Uh, medication has been a massive help for me. And then uh, recently getting into cold therapy, which has just been an absolute game changer. Just deliberate cold exposure every single day. It's been um, absolutely amazing. I can um, see my work is not yet done with you, sir. <laughs> Exposing yourself to cold every morning. <laughs> it's a mental illness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a mental illness. Oh, jeepers. How come there was no oars for me? Uh, only real men can do it, though. It's Steve. exactly right. Exactly right. Sorry, Mike. Hey, Steve, but if you explain the physiology behind that, yeah, so the you physi- have found that really powerful. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, for me, I think it's been one of the greatest tools I've discovered. So... Um, every, every single day I start my day with cold so um, at the moment that looks like getting into a homemade um, chest freezer ice plunge at about three degrees and sitting in there for four minutes up to, uh, immersed up to my neck so uh, the the research is pretty amazing around that the, the biggest um, benefit there's lots of physiological benefits but the main one I'm going for is the increase in dopamine production so so co- deliberate cold exposure can increase your dopamine production which is your happy hormone by up to 250%, and that will last four to six hours. So it, you just feel happier. So if someone, if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, you want more happy hormone. Yeah. Like you want more of that floating through your body. Yeah. And so it just makes you feel more positive, more alive, more alert. I do it first, I hate it, but I love it. It's like I never want to do it. I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, I can't wait to get into a two degree <laughs> chest freezer this morning. Um, you know, at 5.30 in the morning when it's dark outside. I don't want to do that, um, but I do it because the benefits that come off it are extraordinary. You don't heat up, uh, you let yourself naturally heat up afterwards. You don't get in a hot shower afterwards. You stay cold and then you, warm, you just let yourself warm back up. And it's, it's like, for me, I'm a massive advocate for it. It's maybe not for everybody, um, but the science around it is pretty conclusive. Um, and the, yeah, the, there's a ton of other things, but for me, it's, it's a win. It's great. And I want to jump on something that you said and Seema said. You said, I hate it, but I love it. Mm. And Seema, you talked about how, you know, taking those, those little steps, they're so simple in concept, but so unbelievably difficult in execution, right? Yeah. But, I, but it's helpful just to know that. It's helpful to know that if you're in a tough place and you've got to take a step forward, it's going to look so simple, but it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did. Mm. And that's okay. It's the same for all of us. Find a way to take it anyway. If that's doing a cold plunge, do it. If that's getting out of bed for half a day and then going back to bed, that's okay. Do it. It's about taking steps forward. Cool. Change that. We're gonna, a couple more questions and we're going to finish up. Um, mental health can be a massive challenge for the families of those who are struggling. So for the spouses, the kids, the, the aunties, uncles, the friends of those who are struggling. So how do 
we, what advice would you give to those who are living in and existing with somebody who is struggling through this? Mike, do you want to jump in on that? Um, yeah, I just think that it's important to realize that, that being on the journey with someone who's doing it tough is also traumatic. And actually, it can be really useful for you to go and talk to somebody as well. Um, you know, you can pick up your own traumas along the way, trying to keep somebody going. In the worst cases, trying to keep somebody alive. Those are very difficult things, and I'm sure Simon probably deals with this all the time. But, um, you know, I think that it's important to remember the bigger picture, that when someone's going through a tough time, those around them are as well. And so to, to remember that, and, to, and if you're in that situation, go and get some help. And can I just add, you know, be part of a tribe. If you've got somebody in your family and they're struggling with mental health, absolutely you need support, but your kids probably do, the spouse probably does, but actually you need more than just that. You need community, you need a, a small group or a, some counselling, or you, you need to be involved with more so that there's more people offering care and support and help because that can feel quite heavy for the one or two. Um, so I think that's important. I don't know if anyone wants to add anything to that. Um, the thing that comes to my mind is just, just um, self-compassion. Um, I think that when we care for others deeply, then um, it's really easy for that to tip over into feeling like a burden. And I think that um, it's really important to share that burden with, you know, it's not a fair ask for one person, such as a spouse, like a husband or wife, to be totally responsible if someone is, you know, really unwell or, or um, you know, their life is at risk, for that to be a shared responsibility. Um, and for, um, you know, whoever it is to have the ability to be self they're obviously other compassionate, but to be able to be self-compassionate as well and to understand that um, it's okay for me to have needs as well, it's okay for me to be human as well, it's okay for me to ask for help as well and to not do everything perfectly, you know, as a carer. Great. Chris, can you answer this one? Like mental health, faith, the Bible, prayer, like how, how do we find God and healing and victory in our lives in the midst of all of this and how do we, how do we overcome? Uh, surrender. Right. Um, yeah, surrender, rest. And I guess it's, it, it comes back to this theology of who, who is God. And um, what is the nature of God? What is the character of God? And can I trust him? Wow. And so my journey has been a journey of trusting God. Yep. So good. And, um, and resting and surrendering. And sometimes that's a moment by moment Mm. minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. But he's never let me down. And amazing. Surrender. Mm. You know, the journey that I went on, the thing that God taught me in the midst of it was the same thing, was trust and surrender. Actually, just to trust him that he's good and that he's got me mm. and that he's going to work things out right. for good. And he'll take broken things and he'll make them beautiful and he'll take the ashes of our lives and make them whole again, and 
it's that's the nature of who God is and no matter what you go through it's never wasted in God's economy God will take it and he'll use it for his glory in the midst of that like if I'd never gone through what I went through I wouldn't know God like I know him I wouldn't trust God like I trust him I wouldn't have the faith that I have now if I hadn't gone through that do I ever want to go back through it no thank you like I'm good I get it I trust you yeah yeah but but I'm so thankful for the journey and, and for those in the room today, you know, maybe you're struggling, maybe you know someone who's struggling, or maybe you have, um, you have been through your own journey, um, like God has not abandoned you, He hasn't left you, He's with you, He's the one that stays closer than a brother, He loves you more than you will ever, ever imagine, and He's got good for your life, and there is healing, and there is wholeness, and there is victory. My journey has been one of realizing that I'm not too far away from having a bad day, but I'm also really not too far away from having a really good day. And the, the distance between the two is not very much. And uh, God is still good in the midst of all of it. And uh, so if you, are, if you, if you um, want more help, I, I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. You have to do that. Don't sit there and um, suffer in silence. Make sure you reach out for help. Talk to your GP if you need to. Um, come and have a conversation with us if you need to. Seema and the team are running some stuff once a month on our Facebook and our website. There's going to be a podcast and stuff going out. What's, what's that called, Seema? So it's called the Living Well series, and once a month on a Tuesday night, we do a one-hour session focused on a particular topic related to mental health and well-being, um, and you just register on the website if you want to attend. So it's if you, free, and you can invite free, anyone yeah. you know. So go to our website, select the Counselling Hub tab. It's all under there. Um, if, you want to, if you're on our Facebook groups as well or on our Facebook page, it'll all get put on there too. Because for us, this is all about helping you on your discipleship journey. It's all about helping you grow more and more into who God has called you to be. And sometimes our yesterday hinders us from going into our tomorrow in God. And we want to help you get free and healed from your yesterday so that you can be all that God has for you in your tomorrow. Is that cool? Wow. Can we thank our panel? These guys are amazing. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz